0: Yo, what's up everybody out there in the World Wide Web? My name is Cams, and you're listening to another episode of Back of the 135. It is September the 14th, 2019 on a Saturday. And you guys are about to listen to a conversation that I had with two members of the West Auckland Licensing Trust Action Group. Nick Small and Andrew Flanagan, who are also running in the local body elections. So, we talked about their group, um, abbreviated WarTag, and their fight to lift the monopoly from the Waitakere and Portage Licensing Trust over West Auckland. So, yeah, it was an interesting conversation, and I enjoyed it very much. Hope you guys too. So, here we go. gentlemen
1: Okay Cameron how are you Andrew hey. Nick hey Cameron how's, how's it going thanks very much for having us here today yeah no
0: worries hey thank you man we live in the world of social media these days all I did was like took a stab in the dark and went on my twitter and just messaged you guys yeah and uh was Nick Nick you um replied yeah man
2: yeah yeah no we're happy to talk hey? I mean and that's we're just trying to get our message out trying to achieve change so you know something like this great opportunity for us to just have a conversation and you know
1: we'll share this out and it'd be great cool that's cool yeah absolutely when i heard that there was a podcast going i didn't haven't known too much about podcasts i was quite curious just to see what was uh, what was all about it seems pretty interesting and yeah. uh, it seems <laughs> the way forward eh, hey, cameron
0: yeah hopefully um this podcast thing gets going in new zealand it's not really that popular here but uh
1: absolutely i i reckon i think it's a it's a it's a fantastic forum as well because uh, as we we're discussing earlier on it kind of uh, i think it gives a voice to the people as well i mean uh, as a uh, been, uh, been Irish as I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of a few people might guess from a voice. I'm not a native Westie, but I've been here for ten years. But yeah, back in Ireland, we've got quite a, you know, quite a, a few media uh, organisations and, and companies, so it's quite easy to be heard. Uh, there's always so one of the papers would be interested, or one of the media outlets. But in New Zealand, it seems to be a little bit kind of more difficult. It seems to be sort of a narrower bandwidth for the media. So, podcasting is, is very interesting, I think, and it's going to be, hopefully, it'll take on. And, yeah, curious to see how far this one goes, to be honest with
0: you. Oh, thanks. Thanks very much. Thank Again, you. thanks a lot for you guys coming. How long have you been here in New Zealand?
1: Uh, 10 years. Came over in 2009. Oh, okay. Moved into Glendine. First experience popped into the old Thirsty Rooster, as it was then. <laughs> so, so, so the, uh, the, 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 the sawdust on the floor, and the, I think there was a tooth on the floor as well at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my that was my introduction to uh, the social scene and the pub scene in uh, in West Auckland. It's a bit of a shock to the system being Irish, you know. Sort of socialising in the bars is a bit of a cultural thing for us. But yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to bring you guys in here because I've I've been I've been living in West Auckland most of my life, uh, about three years, but most of my life. And this thing about why am I spending more money at the liquor stores mm-hmm. right now, and why why I have, do I have to go to Town for a nice place to uh-huh. socialize, have a drink, and, yeah, exactly. and not in my own neighborhood.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think that's what we're fighting for too. Is like you know, just just local, local stuff. You know, so why is West Auckland different? So why 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 can't we buy a beer and wine at the supermarket? Why can't we? Uh, why can't we have a nice local that we can go to? Why can't? an entrepreneur out here see an opportunity and open a place, you know, like so. you know, Andrew's needs are not being met. He wants to, you know, a nice friendly sort of Irish style, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. A, 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 he's got young kids and, you know, wants to take the family out for a meal and stuff and, you know, there's not a lot of options out here. And I think we, we, we certainly think that the monopoly that the trust holds sort of makes that so much harder for people to set up those businesses. And, and we'll, yeah, we'd like to see change, obviously.
0: Yeah, so this uh, monopoly and, and this trust, this Wattuckery Licensing Trust, is it, and yeah, Portage? So,
2: yeah, so there are two trusts, so out here at this part in Henderson and Ranui and um, out as far as Pi, and, and um, right up to um, the edge of Kumu is the Waitakere Licensing Trust and then you've got the Portage Licensing Trust which is close to the city which is Avondale, Waterview, Blockhouse Bay, all the way down the, um, uh, the harbour front through to the Rangi out to the coast. Um, so yeah, those two licensing trusts trade together, they've got a joint venture and all of their sort of commercial operations operate as the trusts which is the brand that you see um, so, they run the West Liquors and the um, Village Wine and Spirits bottle stores, and they run 10 bars across West Auckland. So, um, you know, local here, we've got uh, the Hangers not too far away, mm. um, the Good Home. Um, we've got Miss Q's, to Tavern, Mr. Illingsworth. Those are the ones that Waitakere Licensing Trust run. And they also have the Quality Hotel there on Lincoln Road. Um, yeah, so so those are the only tavern licensed venues that we've got here in the Waitakere area. Yeah.
0: Okay, so why, why haven't we got, um, how, how come we don't have other other companies having bars Yeah, exactly. So
2: at the moment, the way that the rules are set up, right, so um, licensing trusts sort of emerged in the 1940s in the shadow of Prohibition, right? So back in 1905 and 1908, I think West Auckland voted to go dry, so, um, which meant that there were no liquor licenses available in, in West Auckland at all. So if you wanted to buy a drink from a pub or from an off-license, then you'd have to leave West Auckland. And that continued all the way through to 19, six, late 1960s, early 1970s. Um, and then the people of West Auckland voted to go wet again. So, And, and the, when they voted to go wet, you get a choice of whether you go with a licensing trust um, or you go with uh, private uh, licensees. West Auckland to cho- chose to go down and, and chose the licensing trust route. And part of that was that the licensing trust was the only one that could get a tavern license, which is the kind of license you need for a drink sled. Venue like a pub or a bar, um, and off licences. So, and that there just just continues on until we have a referendum and choose to change it. So, since 1972 in West Auckland, we've had these licensing trusts, and they're the only ones that are allowed to be granted a liquor licence for a tavern or an off licence. So the supermarkets can't apply and get a liquor licence for selling beer at their um, at their supermarkets, beer and wine at the supermarkets. And if I want to go and open a bar. I can't get a tavern style license. I can open a restaurant and I can serve drinks at a restaurant, but I can't open a tavern. Not that I want to. <laughs> Just yeah. making that clear. Hospitality is like way too risky for me. That's not my, that's not my thing. But I'd like to go to, you know, I'd like someone else to have the chance to open a place and I'd like to be their customer.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting how you said 1940?
2: Yeah, so um, the first licensing trust got set up in, 19, in the 1940s. Uh, which was the Invercargill one, yeah. And then between 1944, I think, was Invercargill through to, I think the last ones were about 1974, 1975 was the last time that there was a new licensing trust set up. In, in Auckland? No, I think the, the last ones in Auckland were, the I think, were the West Auckland ones, and they were 1972. Um, I think there might have been a Flaxmere or something like that was the last one, about 1975.
0: Oh, so... It- It started in 1972
2: in Auckland. In Auckland, yeah, yeah. These West Auckland ones started in 1972, yeah. Yeah. So before that, it was dry. You know, you just, there was nothing. And, um, yeah, and so they went um, and and chose the licensing trust model when they went wet. You know, more recently, it was only up in 1999. um, There were two districts, I think, called Roskill and Albert Eden. And that's all of Kingsland and um, Mount Albert and all that kind of part of Auckland. They were dry all the way through to 1999.
0: So it's dry. What do you mean dry? Is it?
2: Yeah. So it's, it's like you just can't you can't open a bar and you can't oh, have okay. an off So there were no bottle stores. If you had a supermarket in that area, they wouldn't have been allowed to sell beer and wine um, and no pubs, none at all. So there were just, you know, like, so like Kingsland before 1999, there would probably have been some restaurants, but there wouldn't have been any bars. And then when they chose, they, they chose to go wet in 1999 in the, in the election then. Um, and they chose, they, they got to vote between setting up a licensing trust and going private. Mm. Um, and they they resoundingly voted for um, private, which was you know probably just as well. I mean, you look at Kingsland today, you know it's 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 great. You know, and I think if they'd gone down the licensing trust route, if they'd chosen to go with monopoly, that wouldn't have happened. You know, like you probably get one or two bars there that the licensing trust would open, but you wouldn't have that vibrant little scene of like lots of little bars all kind of competing, and it's, you know it's cutthroat there. And if you if you're not good. There are heaps of good places you can go to. If you're not delivering a really great bar experience, you're gone, you know? so And that's what we want to see here in West Auckland some places too, you know, that that cutthroat competition where you're either good at it
1: or you're out. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: No I was just going to uh, add a little bit into that as well and uh, my, my primary motivation to actually get involved with this with this uh, this cause really was you know I've got two young kids and there's more to bars than just going out and drinking it's, it's really for me it is genuinely about the social scene and when you got two young kids you want to go out as a family you want to go out with uh, you know your friend's family and um, we went out to the Hallertau up by Riverhead a few weeks ago what a fantastic fantastic place and exactly what Nick is saying if you don't if, you, if you're not innovative if you're you're not a good place. You're going to die um, outside of a monopoly. Uh, and that's really why I got involved, because I just want to see, where, where can we go in West Auckland to bring your family? You know, where is our a neatness establishment that's, you know, uh, just as, as, as a bar sort of, uh, if you drive through Swanson, which I do, because uh, I live out of White Township, you go through Swanson at eight o'clock at night, the only lights that are on in the petrol station, why do not we have a little bar there? You know, a little sort of social get-together place. I was, I was in Point Chev last night and walking through, plenty of bars, lights were on vibrant bit of music people sitting outside having a beer so that's that's really what i want i'd love to see that in west auckland i think it would improve our our just whole social scene and the vibrancy of west auckland
0: it's funny you say that andrew because because i've i've just noticed that recently but it's been it's been in west auckland all all my life yeah and for you to come from overseas and come and just see it straight away (laughs) because i know ireland I guess
1: it's one of those things, you know, outside eyes perspective, you know, it's, it's, it's what I've been used to uh, all my life. Yeah. It's, it's how we socialize. You know, I moved to a new neighborhood because I lived in the UK as well. And, uh, it's, it's similar in the UK. You move to a neighborhood and just down at the end of the street, small little bar, you know, catered for the locals. We all go down there playing darts uh, you get to meet your neighbors and just you know that's that's how that's how we roll over there uh, yeah. so i'm i'm not saying it's the the perfect model but i'm just saying it'd be nice to have the opportunity to to be able to do something like that somewhere in west auckland
0: yeah what, what do they call it like um cheating us like little kids or something like
1: yeah, yeah it's a bit paternalistic i think <laughs> is probably the
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah is the term yeah yeah so yeah they kind of decide for us and i think that's kind of a bit of a mindset amongst the you know the west auckland politicians a little bit you know it's the kind of a we know better mindset and um yeah, yeah i it, it, it depends you know I guess it dif- different political um, ideologies and stuff or perspectives but um you know I, I don't like politicians telling me you know <laughs> what I can and can't do yeah you know, unless there's a good reason for it you know like um and I just don't think there's a good reason here for the politicians to choose where the pubs yeah. go and what sort of pubs they are and where the bottle stores go mate. Like, yeah yeah
0: okay um going back to what the trust is and how it started especially here from West auckland um, it sounds to me like um, there was a bit of a prohibition thing going on it sort of reminds me of what happened in the United States and the and yeah in the nineteen twenties of the prohibition of alcohol there, um, I'm not sure if there was a feeling the the public had towards alcohol, and and it, it made the politicians say, oh yeah, it's still a yeah. Pro- prohibition.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know the whole prohibition thing and the whole anti-alcohol kind of, I guess, what you call it, the. Um, oh, it's always there. You know, there's always a section of the community that um, that don't like alcohol, that um, would like to see it. You know. Uh, Minimised in society mm. as much as possible, but alcohol's a tough one. You know, it's mm. not you, you can't control it. You know, like if they, if, even if they tried to put in prohibition, you know, you can buy a, a bottle of apple juice and chuck a little bit of bread, making yeast in it, and you've got yourself cider in a few days. You know, you can't control it. People will find it, they will get it. It'll just push it into you know black markets and so on. And you know, you hear a few stories about. Back before they opened it up in West Auckland, that you know people were doing the dodgy runs around with the van and selling stuff out the back of the van and all that yeah. sort of stuff. You know, so you know prohibition doesn't work, and you know New Zealand's going through that um, debate now around cannabis and so on. You know, is prohibition yeah. a good model for that? And you know, opinions will differ, and and so you know we've kind of been through that. But we see now in the debate about the trusts, you know, and whether they should hold the monopoly, those sort of voices that are very much um, yeah that um, that temperance movement. I guess they're called, you know, um, they like the monopoly because it does kind of reduce the um, the number of bottle stores. So it reduces the visibility of alcohol around and stuff. So, you know, we kind of feel that a little bit in opposition to some of the things that we say. You know, it's like we'd love a, local, a, a nice local bar mm. catering to the locals. And, you know, some people don't like that idea. They're like, no, we want as few bars as possible. We want as few bottle stores as possible. Um,
0: Would you say that's a generational thing then? Because no. t- times change and... Society changes in
2: a little bit, you know, a little bit, but I think it's kind of you know, there's quite a lot in the media around you know the harms of alcohol and stuff, still. And you know, those voices, so you know, there's the groups out there like the Alcohol Health Watch and you know, those guys. And you know, their perspective is valid and important, and you know, they're an important voice in that conversation, but you know, there's also but they're not the only voice, you know, and and it's important to think about the other voices as well. But but they get plenty of play in the media, you know, and there are plenty of people that agree with them, so you know i think that sort of that temperance movement will always be there and it just changes in terms of you know the public um you know the the proportion of the public that kind of support those views back in the early 1900s that, you know they got 60 something percent of the vote to go dry um and then in 1970 or whenever it was 1969 when they voted in west Auckland, i think it was sort of 65 so two out of three people voted to go wet, wet you know it was something like that so you know, it just changes with time. And where are we today? You know, in terms of like, does West Auckland want to get rid of the monopoly or keep the monopoly? We don't know. You know, we can't do any polling or anything. We haven't got the resources to do that. But that's you know, we're keen to put it to the referendum and find out.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's important that the public knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. Especially when the referendum comes along, because to me a referendum can be a little bit edgy because. I think the side will win. It's a side that that will like um, push to the public their ideas more than the other side. Yeah. So it depends. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. The, so, I mean, the
2: public aren't that well informed, and and yeah, around right. this issue, terribly informed. You know, most people don't know what the trusts are, what the monopoly is. They get confused about what's the pokies versus what's the, the hospitality and alcohol kind of um, business, and you know, and it they're making a relatively uninformed decision. Um, and that's kind of, you know, one of the things that we want to do is, you know, if we get voted into the, into the licensing trust, mm. um, we don't, one of the things is to trigger the referendum and give people the chance to, to vote. But we also want the licensing trust to play a role in informing the population in an unbiased way. You know, so like get a report put together by someone independent and unbiased so that like here's a, here's a set of information that can inform you about which way you want to vote. And, you know, because at the moment, the licensing trusts are very much in the camp of we want to keep the monopoly. Um, and we're going to advocate for that. And we're going to spend money and we're going to, you know, put out quite, I guess, in my perspective, like really a lot of spin around why we should keep the monopoly. And they're using community money to do that, you know. Yeah. It's like they're using money that comes from us to tell us how to vote. And that really rankles me. Um.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Because I remember the last time we voted, when when when, when they were going to introduce um, liquor, liquor into the supermarkets the yep. first time.
2: Yeah, back in 2003. Yeah. 2003, was it?
0: Oh, okay. So we had that big vote. And all I heard on the the news was like, you know, there's gonna be alcohol store everywhere and every corner in West Auckland. There'll be crime growing up, yeah. drunk people running around the streets, you know, like things like that. Like like sort of like um, scaremongering, sort yeah, of sort of thing. Tactics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, but at that time I was like a young 20 years old, well. and I was in the party scene. I wanted to go out. I was going to town, you know, drinking in there. and I Man, I was against that because I wanted to do it close to home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I well mean, it, it could
1: be argued as well uh, that uh, increasing some venues locally is actually safer, you know, because if you've got people that have to travel for alcohol, if they want to go out and if they want to go talk, now how are they getting there? You know, are, are they driving there? And uh, is, is that an issue? I, I don't know, but uh, you, you do have to wonder that if, if we could contain it locally, I mean, if I to just walk down the street to a bar, it means I don't have to get in my car. So that's an, another argument as well that I would say is quite uh, feasible. Um, just the the other point as well. I mean, I said I got involved in this in this motion to um, to really just increase the bar scene. But I, I actually, once I got involved and seeing behind the scenes some of the the facts and the figures that are coming out, it's just mind boggling. I mean, this whole uh, uh, entity, the trusts, they're set up to give back to the community. And when you look at the figures that I wasn't aware of either, Cameron, before I joined, was. Uh, it's, what is it, Nick, 14% over the past uh, six years is was the give back of profits? Six years. So over six years, they've given back 14, one four percent of profits. Now, wh- hang on, but where's the rest of that money going? You know, what's happening? Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit of a loss on that one, Cameron.
0: Yeah, that's another thing I was getting into, like, how much money do they actually make? Yeah. I mean, just knowing what was going on around, around the neighborhood, not knowing about the trust in it. And then, you know, the guy who, who first opened my eyes to it was um, JT, John Timohele. Because mm-hmm. he was on Radio Live. He had this Radio Live show, on, and, and he was like against the trust. He was saying, man, this trust needs to go. They got the monopoly on the alcohol in all over West Auckland. They got pokies destroying families. Yeah. You know? And they only give back just, what... Compared to
1: what they make. Let me put let me put something else to you. If they were if they were loved by West Auckland and they were this fantastic rosy entity and they were pumping money back into the economy, <clears throat> we wouldn't have a leg to stand on, to be honest. Nobody would even entertain the the the, the thought of a referendum. No, not the thought of the referendum, but even if it went to referendum, it should be 90% vote for the for the trusts. So the fact that they feel that there's a requirement to go out and advertise and push now while there's this process is going on, while the elections are, are underway. The trusts are advertising very, very extensively, very heavily, and making promises very similar to the 2004 referendum, which was before my time here. But uh, uh, a lot of promises have been made now about in, uh, increasing a give-back ratio. It's kind of strategic timing around election, I have to say. But they, they wouldn't feel a need to do that if they felt secure, safe and secure in the community that they were uh, supposedly protecting. I don't know.
2: Yeah. That's just right, yeah. But in terms of like, yeah, I mean, we do, we see it a lot at the moment. There's a quite a bit of advertising out there and they're talking about, you know, how much they'll give back in the future. I think we've got to judge them on their record more than on their promises, especially yep. based on what we saw in 2003. And I know JT was involved in, you know, back then and he actually sat on the board, not in this most recent term, but the previous term. And Yeah. Um, so, yeah, JT knows his way around those trusts pretty well and he's pretty, um, what would you say, uh he's pretty critical of them you know and, and you know i had a chat to him about it a few months ago and you know he was of the sort of view um, you know their primary business really is around property investment you know that's their focus and that's you know it, and you look at what they do and it's true you know that's the, and and that's not right you know their, their primary business should be about running great bars and running great bottle stores and returning the profit mm. to the community and at the moment it's not and as andrew said you know over the last 6 years um, 14% of their profit, and their average profit available to give back each year before um, before tax and stuff is about $7 bucks a year, I think, that kind of ballpark anyway, It's kind of ranges between sort of six, and then in the most recent year, I think it was about 10. Um, and yeah, they're given back, back in six years ago, I think the number was about $200,000, and that's grown to $2.5 million in the last year, which is kind of, you know, We'll never know whether it's because of us and the pressure that we've put them under. You know, yeah. you'd have to go to parallel universe to see. You know, without us, would it have happened? Um, but you know, it's uncanny timing. We think we're probably. You know, the pressure that we've put on them has made them sort of give back more to try and, um, you know, improve the perception of the public about their giving back and so on. Um, but the other, you know, the, the other eighty six percent of it or whatever it is. You know where's that gone? It's not like they're stealing it and doing anything dodgy, but what they are doing is they're putting it into investments and and buying investment properties, and they're actually storing a lot of cash in the bank too. You know, so and and that adds up to a lot of money over those six years. I think it's twenty seven million dollars or thirty million dollars that could have been given out in grants that could have done great things for our community, but instead of that, they've chosen to grow their own business um, with investments, which just really, you know. It, it's not lost to the community, but it's lost to the community of today. You it's know, locked away. yeah, that's it's locked it away it? so that they can do more in the future. But you know a very cynical view of that strategy is that you know they're just protecting their position. you know what I mean? So if if they had it and, and their goal is to have a 200 million dollar investment portfolio in 10 years time, that's a big investment portfolio mm-hmm. and that will allow them to give back I don't know five or ten million dollars a year just from the interest and dividends on their on their portfolio that will make it really difficult to ever shift the monopoly because they will be very popular for handing out those cheques every year.
0: It's probably the incentive to keep the monopoly because they're making all that money to get their portfolio. Yeah. If I they mean, have a goal to get their portfolio, then they, they probably don't want to relinquish their power it's an, of it's a monopoly.
2: It's an interesting one. Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking about why they're so keen to keep their monopoly because when I look at their books, I don't think their alcohol business, their hospitality or their bottle stores actually makes a lot of money. Um, and certainly not more money than you'd get from you know just investing it in a sort of a managed fund or in shares or bonds or whatever, you know however they wanted to do it. Is it free gambling? Um, no, no, the ga- I mean the gambling's a small part of what they do in terms of their books. Um, you know, so the way that the gambling works is the trusts are the two licensing trusts, and then there's a separate organization called the Trusts Community Foundation. Now it's got a really similar name, but it's not actually legally connected to the trusts in any way and it's a loophole a, do you think <laughs> it's it's a yeah it's it's pretty misleading i think you know and i think that's intentional but um there's nothing illegal about it or anything this is a bit bit shady but you know it's like the lion foundation has got nothing to do with lion breweries either you know so they're not the only ones um <laughs> uh, and and then the trust community foundation you know, when the, when the public get them get the grants from the trust community foundation they think it comes from the trusts i mean i'd say 99 out of 100 people would make that misjudgment um but that's where all the pokey money comes from and goes through. The trust themselves get um, rents from the Trust Community Foundation for hosting their pokies and I think last year that was about 1.2 million. So there's a bit of income there for them, but it's not most of their business. Um, but yeah, so but I think they 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 want to hold on the the they want to hold on to that monopoly because it gives them influence in the community. You know, it makes them and it gives them control, you know. And I, I don't know, I don't know power corrupt you know and so once you have that power you get to choose where the where the bottle stores are and stuff it's like are you are you are you wanting to hold on to that power i don't know because i I just can't see it being a financial thing
0: i know what you mean about the what you see because the last five six years i've seen they've branded themselves you know they got the trust logo now that's everywhere Mm. around their bottle stores never used to have that no that's right like
2: yeah it used to be um uh, King Dicks and uh, local yes. liquor and all that sort of stuff, and you wouldn't have known it was the trust yes. so much. Eh? Yes. these yeah. days, it's West Liquor. It's clearly the trusts. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. So,
0: so they've yeah over the past years they've have branded themselves, and and that that costs money too.
2: Yeah, yeah, they've thrown a bit of money into that <laughs> into the into their rebranding of their stores and stuff. I mean, I think the stores have improved, you know, and mm-hmm. I think the new CEO, or he's not so new now, but Simon Wickham, I think, came in in around about two thousand and twelve, and I think he's come in and done that rebranding. Um, And, you know, the trusts have, their performance has improved markedly over that time, you know, so I think they were, when he came in, they were almost in a death spiral, you know, they were struggling to make a profit, Um, their brand presence was all over the show with all of those, um, all those different types of bottle stores, their bars were, you know, a lot of them were losing money. They were in real trouble and they've done a good job to turn it around to a place now where they're reasonably profitable. You know, I think we've got to give them credit for that. Um, But at the same time, it's still not good enough. You know, it'd still be better if we had competition, you know, and a lot of what they do is. does seem to be around protecting their position and protecting their monopoly, which I think is just, you know, uh, it it's not, doesn't sit right with me.
1: I think it's probably worth pointing out as well that, um, you know, even if we do are successful in the elections uh, and even if there was a referendum to be called and the, mon- and the monopoly was broken, I think it's important that we all know that the trust isn't going anywhere. The trust is, is is staying here. I mean, Nick, what's worth the currently about $120 million? is it? Yeah, is it, I mean, so it
2: depends on how you value the properties that they own because most of their money is in property. And, you know, until you sell it, you don't know what it's worth. But, yeah, right. it's, it's between 110 hundred and ten upwards.
1: I mean, you're not going to get an organization of that size fold and disappear. So mm. I actually believe uh, through healthy competition – uh, and if Simon carries on on his trajectory that he is at the moment, well, then we could have it. We could have the best of both worlds. You know, we could have a competitive entity and maybe the trust could even out start outperforming other buyers. You know, wouldn't that be a, a heck of a situation we find ourselves in? So I think it could be win, win, win. And I think people just as long as everyone's informed and they have the facts when they're making the decisions, yes. then I think it would be, uh, it could be an interesting process.
0: I think one of the things people, people need to know is that there's nothing wrong with the trust. The only thing wrong with the trust is their monopoly like bringing competition
2: yeah i think so i mean i think monopoly is one thing um and i think that's kind of the root cause of a lot of trouble you know so there's lots of stuff that the trust are doing at the moment that i that, that i don't like and yep. but i think a lot of that is geared towards protecting the monopoly you know so why are they not giving back more of their profit i think as i said before i think that's probably because they're building this investment portfolio to protect their position and to pr- partially protect their monopoly so if you get rid of that monopoly that need disappears and all of the advertising and the way that they give back and you know they use the million dollar mission which you know just kind of you know there's a lot of publicity around it and you have got to click on and you have got to do the votes and stuff they're trying to get people involved it's a bit of a publicity stunt you know if you take away the monopoly and the need to sort of build their brand so much then all of those kind of motivations disappear so hopefully all of the rubbish you know all of the stuff just disappears as well but you know like if we get voted, if we go as far as the referendum, and heaven forbid the public vote to keep the monopoly, um, you know we can still make the trusts better. You know They don't have to be doing all of this promotion around their corporate brand, and they don't have to be empire building to protect their position. All of that stuff can disappear. And you don't see the other licensing trusts do that. You know There's one, the Invercargill Licensing Trust and the Matara Licensing Trust still have their monopolies too. And a lot of the behaviours that we see here in West Auckland, we don't see down there. You know, they're much more transparent, um, and they're sort of—I don't know—they're better connected to their communities. Yeah, so we could we could make the trusts better. Still, won't be as good in my view as competition. But, um, but you know, like it could still make them better. And, yeah. and if that's what the if we're on those boards and the community chooses to keep the monopoly, that's what we'll work towards doing. I guess
0: it's funny you mentioned the Invercargill because. Uh, old mayor, um, Tim Tim yeah. Uh, He was mayor of West Auckland back in the days when I was young. And then we had the trust. And he goes down there to Imukagun, there's a trust down there. So is he the the guy that's uh, behind all this? He (laughs) He must must just love him, eh? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's funny. I was out I was out delivering leaflets the other day and um I just came across a few people you just get chatting to and it was actually funny. Um I was putting what I about to put in the in the letterbox and there's a guy in his driveway and he, he turns around and goes, No, no, not today, no, no, you're all good, don't put anything in the letterbox. I says, I'll just tell you, uh first I'm not an estate agent. So he said, Oh well, that's a good start. <laughs> so I said, What I'm actually doing is I just uh, delivered and I just told him a little bit uh, uh you know who we were. And he was instantly straight on board and he and he had plenty to say about the the, the trust you know and he wasn't happy with them and his biggest issue really this particular guy was the transparency and he just feels that you can't you we're not getting information out of it now we own the the, the trust you and I as West Aucklanders we own the trust so why why aren't we partially to all the information why is it so difficult I mean Nick's been fighting very very hard over the past 14 months or whatever it's been to try and get any sort of sensible information on numbers you know numbers that mean something that we can we can we can kind of judge their performance and how they're getting on it's just shrouded in secrecy and that seems to be quite uh, an issue that people that i've spoken to on the street as well seem to have that we just don't really know what's going on in there come on tell us you know we you we own you so you should be talking to us why is that
0: why are they so secretive is it because they they don't want the public to know that they're making so much money
2: i think they want to manage the message so you know like so We've requested, started requesting information last May, so May 2018. And um, we've sort of got some responses back, but not a lot of useful information. And But it's been interesting to see in their annual reports and in their communications, they start making, like even though they haven't responded to me, and even though the ombudsman's investigating and they're still holding on to that information, they're starting to put some of that information into their annual report, and they're starting to kind of let a little bit of it out. But it's sort of... It's not un- in a not an un- It's quite a- in a spun way. You know what I mean. So yeah. sort of, they want to manage the message coming out, and they want to avoid negative headlines. I think they're really in a in a place where they, for so long, they've flown under the radar. You know, there's been very little media coverage. People aren't all that interested, and that I think suits them. So you know, if they, for example, how much is the CEO paid? They're supposed to disclose that. Mm but they don't, and they found a loophole not to. And we've requested that information, that sort of investigation's ongoing at the Ombudsman, so we'll see if we get it or not. Um, But, you know, they're supposed to let it go, but it will create a negative story in the paper. You know, some people will be aghast at what he's paid. You know, is it too much? I don't know. You know, people's opinions will differ. But, you know, it's those sorts of stories that they try and avoid because it's just, I don't know, it's just the culture there at the moment. They just try and avoid bad press.
0: For me, I feel that um, times are changing and um, I think the next generation are coming up now and so the old ideas are
2: dying out. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one. It's kind of like, so when we started this and I spent a bit of time like standing in front of supermarkets and other places collecting signatures for the petition and I probably had the stereotype in my mind about who would and who wouldn't sign and all that sort of stuff mm. and I was wrong, I was completely wrong. Um, There's sort of young people who are very um you know very pro keeping the monopoly and there are you know lots of older people that just really hate the monopoly as well you know Mm. so you just can't pick it by looking at people Mm. what they think i think what is clear though is that people that have not lived in west auckland their whole life you know they have seen what it's like in other places they're more likely to support competition you know that they they don't like the monopoly they kind of less likely to kind of think that it's going to turn into anarchy and, and believe the scaremongering and stuff. They kind of know what it's like. It's all right. Yeah, there'll be a few more bottle stores, but, you know, they're not everywhere. We're not <laughs> awash with them. Uh, and actually, that can be a good thing, because, you know what, like, um, sometimes I want to go to a Glengarry and go somewhere flash and pay a bit more, and sometimes I want to go to Super Liquor, and sometimes I want to go to Thirsty Liquor and just get a cheap six-pack, you know, like, and I've got that chance, whereas here in West Auckland, we've kind of either got West Liquor or bust, you know.
0: It's, it's funny, It's because... Funny um, I, I... I work in town, and on a Friday night, and I know I'm having a few beers with my friends and that, I never, I always stop and punch a Yeah, <laughs> you know, at the countdown or something. to, yeah, yeah, to Get yeah. the beers ten dollars cheaper on my add, Yeah,
2: yeah. But
0: <laughs> some of the times. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah,
2: just. Yeah, that's. I mean, we get ours delivered by countdown these days for so the sort of the standard stuff. And um, you know.
0: I saw, I saw, I saw that I heard that people have been using the delivery. But is it the of cost extra from coming from, from Central? or?
2: Oh, the way they do it now, it's uh, interesting the way that Countdown have got it set up. So up until just recently, they had it, um, it was always delivered from Glenfield, I think, to here, to, to my oh, place. Okay. Um, but they've changed it now. So they've got a remote seller's license. Um, I think it's based at head office for Countdown. And then I think they treat the West Auckland the Henderson store as a warehouse. So it's actually, the license is held outside the district, but they can ship it from henderson oh, okay so your de- deliveries now for me and tiatatu anyway are coming from henderson and they've got the beer and wine in there um but they can't sell it in the store but they've got it out the back for doing it oh, okay. yeah, well, at which is good because yeah. it means that you know because up until then the trucks were going further than they had to and it meant that you know there was probably more jobs in glenfield and less in henderson um so it's good that they're doing it now at a henderson but uh, it's still a workaround you know mm. it's like it's 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 just a around yeah, work around a dumb rule. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, going back to the trust, because um, a lot of my friends and people I know don't ever clue what this is exactly. Like, I know it's a public, it's a public trust. There, it's, it's ours, yep. right?
2: Yep. Yeah. So I mean, the, the elections are coming up, right? So yep. um, uh, September twenty voting opens, closes October twelve. Uh, Waitakere Licensing Trust has seven people sitting on the board. Um, and those are the people that control the trusts and make the decisions. So
0: so we vote them in. We vote them, them in. in.
2: So, And that's what Andrew and I want to do. We want to sit on that board. We've got a couple of others um, uh, <coughs> here in, in Waitakere. So there's myself and Andrew. Amanda Roberts is standing with me in Te Aratu. Uh John Lau um, is an independent that's standing out in Lincoln as well. And Heather Tangway is um, standing in, I think her ward is called Waitakere, um, but anyway, so there's the five of us standing that want to trigger the referendum here in, in Waitakere um, and want to see, see see change. So, I mean, if people want to see change, that's, that's how you do it. And, you know, up until this election, if you look at the candidates there was no option to vote for change. You know, it was like different personalities, but all saying the same thing. The trusts is great. Let's keep the monopoly. Let's keep things just as they are. Um, I love the giving back. Pokies are great. You know, kind of all... <laughs> probably not the <that> pokies <laughs> is great, but, you know, but I'm not going to change anything. Um, you know, so so that's kind of... You didn't really have an option. So this is the first election um, in living memory anyway, as far as I know, where there's actually been um, an election based on issues, not personalities around the licensing trusts. And it will be interesting to see how we go, because last election, turnout was 27%. But, you know, I mean, I looked at the voting paper. I didn't know who to vote for. It's like, oh, they're all saying the same bloody thing, and I don't like any of them, you know. Mm. So this time, we'll see. You know, do we get a good turnout? Do we get... We've got, we have got we've no idea what's going to happen mm. in this election.
1: Am, am I right in saying, uh, Nick, that there's been... Uh, Board members on the trust for in excess of 30 years?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, well, there's one on the Portage Licensing Trust. So Janet Clues has been on since, um, and, sh- and she's a lovely old, lovely lady. Like, and No offence to her, but she's been on there since 1972, since it first formed. I think she missed out for one term in uh, around about 2010 or so, or maybe around about then. So like, so, from 72 through to 2019, what's that, 47 years? So 44 wow. years she
1: sat on that <laughs> board. I mean, um, come on. We, you know what? <laughs> everyone needs a bit of change you yeah. know, at some point. <laughs> I mean,
2: Warren Flounty here in, in um, the Waitakere one has been on for 33 years. Uh, Ross Cloe has been on since 1997. He's been president of the Portage Licensing Trust since 1999. That's 20 years without change. Mm. Yeah.
0: So basically, they haven't changed.
2: <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't change, and I, you know, and the elections tend to be kind of like you vote for the names, you know. Yeah. There's no issues, yeah. um, And you just kind of look through the list, and it's like, well, I'm not going to vote for a random. Yeah. I don't think things are absolutely going, you know, to pot. So. I'll vote for the names that are already on there, or, or mm-hmm. names I know, and and that's why those guys just keep getting elected. I think. But
0: Touch, if I've never voted in the local election before. Yeah. Do
1: you know? It's funny that <laughs> as well. A lot of people believe this or not. People people don't even know how to vote in the local election, and they they think that you're supposed to go somewhere and uh, and post a ballot in a, in a in a box. That's not the case. It's actually it's postal, so uh, it gets. Po- uh, I think yeah, it arrives
2: to- in your mailbox yeah. late next week, maybe early the following week. Tick the boxes, and then you can drop it off either into a um, a post box. But there's not too many post boxes around anymore because no one does that. So um, there are um, ballot boxes where you can drop them off at the libraries and stuff too.
0: I can see the inconvenience of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, I forgot to. I? My thing is sitting there, right there. Yeah, on the so table. You,
2: yeah, you've got until October twelve. And I think probably the easiest is just to pop into the library on your way past at some stage and just drop it yeah, off yeah. sometime during those couple of weeks.
1: But as Nick was saying as well, the turnout's historically very, very low. So um, you know, every single vote makes a huge difference. Yeah. So you know, if, if you're sitting listening to this and you're thinking that your vote won't count, or it's just it's just one of those things, a little bit of voter apathy potentially that you just think it's not going to make a difference. This one will. Your vote will will mean a lot in this particular process because the turnout is so low and i think that's important to get out
0: i saw in a paper a few months ago about um, a couple of members of the trust a couple got in trouble on on the paper for being like having some racist remarks or something like that and yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was good for their publicity <laughs> uh,
2: yeah that's and I, that's a sort of a uh, consequence of just you know like as we're talking about people vote for the names they know the davies yeah. have been around in that part of Auckland for forever and they've got a bit of name recognition. I think Catherine um, had been on the licensing trust for nine years and then Paul was on for three years. Um, and, yeah, hopefully that'll be the end of them for us in uh, <laughs> this election. <laughs> but it just depends how many, you know, they will get a certain number of votes because people recognise their mm-hmm. names. If the turnout's high and people are informed and voting for, you know, whatever, then, then they won't get elected. But it's going to be really interesting to see how many votes they get and whether they get back on because, you know, as they say, no publicity is bad publicity, yeah, you know, like in a absolutely. local election, it's just like, I've heard of this name, I can't remember what it was about, tick, you know, yeah. who knows, we'll see. Yeah.
0: So, so the name of your organization is called, abbreviated WALTAG? Yeah, so yeah,
2: so we're the West Auckland Licensing Trusts Action Group, but um, we kind of, yeah, people either call us WALTAG or Trusts Action Group. Um,
0: so how did you guys start off, like, how did it start?
2: Yeah, so back in, we had our first meeting in April 2018. Um, there were a couple of people that were kind of agitating on social media and around the trust that didn't like the monopoly and wanted to, to create change. And that kind of simmered away for a couple of years. And then there was an article in the paper, um, I think actually Sam wrote a piece in the spinoff. And um, it was kind of the spark that was like, well, if we're going to do something, there's a bit of media coverage right now. Now's the chance. You know, let's, let's do the petition. Um, so we got together for a meeting, and we sort of formed a group, and then we've gone from there, yeah. And sort of people have come and gone. There's always been about a dozen of us involved, um, sort of three or four of us probably really um, closely involved. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then sort of the slightly wider group. And then we've had lots of volunteers come and help and, you know, deliver flyers and, and, and come and help us collect signatures and so on um and that's us really i mean we're just a we're a real ragtag bunch of different personalities yeah, we wouldn't sure. agree on most things you know there's some people who are like I, I don't know you know completely different views on politics and everything but the one thing that we agree on is that we don't like the monopoly so you know we just try and avoid conversations about other stuff i <laughs> know
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you guys exist because for a long time thought i was the only one yeah, thinking about yeah, it
1: <laughs> well the, the the other interesting point as well is that if no one stands up and just kind of rattles the cage the status quo will carry on indefinitely and people might get a little bit cheeky with that you know if they're feeling comfortable in in their skin and unchallenged for decades and decades and funnily enough I actually saw an ad on Facebook last night for the trusts and it was uh, something on the lines of uh, we're changing and we're we're uh, gonna grow the business and we've we've heard well great finally great if you genuinely mean that i actually think we've had even no matter how we get on this election we've had some success what we've done if if they finally heard because if we hadn't done this if no one had stood up and said hey look we're not happy with you we're not happy with the way things are running nothing would change so regardless hopefully there'll be something changing in the future
0: one of my concerns um around here is the um i don't know if you guys drove past hinson mm. hinson township on the way here um the state of that place eh, is like these are my concerns right like is it the monopoly that's causing this to happen like places like Henderson to come down in value
2: i'd say it's um it's a small part of it so it's not it's not the root cause and it's not the fix you know you don't take away the monopoly and all of a sudden henderson's going to be great but it is a contributing factor in my Mm. view um you know like
0: I mean, the monopoly being here is a contributing factor. Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. so
2: like, I mean, they, they're going to pump some money into Henderson, yeah? So they've got, uh, I think, is it Panuku or Council or whatever, are chucking money in and they're doing some developments out there. And so they are revitalising that town centre. Um, and, you know, I saw a, <laughs> a conversation on Facebook between a couple of local politicians. So um, Shane Henderson, who is the chair of the local board, and um, Brooke Loder, who's partner, who's um, running for the licensing trust as well. And you know, I guess their kind of view was um, that oh the trusts can open because they're very you know pro keeping the monopoly oh the trusts can open a nice bar there for the young people to to go to once it's kind of revitalised and it's like okay yeah that's fine the trusts will open one bar and they may or
1: may not get it right <laughs> and they'll stick a sports tv in there and uh, yeah, yeah and
2: it'll be kind of a one size caters all and you know what maybe that's not what the people of henderson want you know mm-hmm. like who knows what the people of henderson mm-hmm. want maybe they want something really gritty you know there's just like and it's kind of you know it's not expensive and it's not flash and the food's real basic and it but it's you know it's cool you know yeah. and it's a you know it's a basic as fit out but there's an opportunity there you know cuz there are heaps of people around henderson yeah and that's they'd right want, they'd like a cool place to go for a drink and you know maybe so there's three or four different markets there that can be catered to with different bars and stuff but the trusts aren't going to do that no
0: and and if if some if some entrepreneur west wants to build a bar because he has a better idea of how to run a bar and knows what the people want what people need in the area he has to go down to um kingsland yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly or something like that he has to go somewhere else that yeah true. and um not yeah. Anywhere really? I it's, mean, it's, even it's go, pretty sad, really.
2: Well, we're kind of surrounded, you know. There's a decent kind of a bar scene out in Kumeu as well, you know. Yeah. And yeah. There's a couple yeah. of great bars out in
1: Riverhead. Is Kumeu
0: part of the trust? The nah, boundary? It's,
1: it's just out.
2: Yeah, it's just out.
0: Oh, I,
1: I, I, I actually live right pretty close to the border, so I'm around, uh, yeah. Sir Ta- Tapaki, and uh, so about 15 minutes' to drive away, I can get to Riverhead Tavern and I can get to Kimi And So that's where we go. But it's it's still it's a 15 minute drive away, and uh, it's it's I'd like to keep the stuff more local to us, you know. So yeah, I think it's... Hmm.
0: So where are the boundaries, the trust boundaries in West Auckland?
2: Yeah, so it goes, so, you know, Borich, Borrach. Food Market there on the corner, not far from where Halatau and the Rivet. Yep. yep, so that's just inside the boundary. So once you get past Borich, you're pretty much out. It's a little mm-hmm. bit further along there. Um, and then towards the city, Waterviews Inn, inside the oh, really? um, trust area. And the new Unitech development there that will be inside the trust's boundary and and then it runs down basically Avondale's in the boundary but most of Mount Albert isn't so oh you know the the pack and save down yes. on, on, yeah so that's gonna just say that. that's just inside like it's maybe 500 meters or 300 meters or something from the boundary uh so you go a little bit further up the road and uh, and you're out
0: that pack and save it's got a trust the uh, alcohol um yeah it's got a store inside, inside it inside yeah, yeah it. exactly and I thought they were in. I thought they didn't want the alcohol in the supermarkets, and there you have it, one there.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's because it's, it's on the boundary,
0: right? Yeah, it's, it's on the boundary. It's because yeah. on the boundary, so they can they, they don't want to cut it off.
2: Yeah, I've got my theories about why that is, and I'm happy yeah. to share them. But you
0: know, i <laughs> oh, share them. Share them, <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah.
2: So, um, <laughs> it's it's a commercial decision, I think. You know, if they put a bottle store there next to, um, uh, say, next to that Pack and Save, they'd be competing against bottle stores in competition three or five hundred meters down the road. They'd get whipped. Um, and so putting it in the pack and save gives them an advantage, you know, they get the shoppers that are going to the pack and saves, it gives them the convenience, and it, so it works there for them where a standalone bottle store would probably not do as well. Um, why don't they do it in other places? Because I don't think they have that same dynamic, you know, if you, so let's say they put a bottle store in, um, uh, in a supermarket in, um, I don't know, Te Two South, for example, you know, so... They wouldn't be able to close the other store that they've got in 2 South because in the supermarket store, they're not allowed to sell spirits. So they'd be upping their costs by having mm-hmm. to run two stores. But they probably wouldn't do any more volume. You know, they'd hardly sell any extra because the people there, they've got the monopoly. You know, if they can't buy it at the supermarket, they're forced to go to the West Liquor. So I think it's a pretty, you know, um, it's just a commercial decision. That's the only supermarket that it makes sense to put it in. And I don't know if the supermarkets would have them in the other stores. I suspect they would, you know, like if they offered and said, we'll put a bottle store in each of your stores in West Auckland. I imagine the supermarket would say, yeah, go for it, you know.
0: That commir- that commercial decision you spoke of, that just tells me a lot about the trust thing. Like yeah, what, I mean, where, what they want to do, like what what they're what like, um, what do you call it? Their um,
2: Raison d'etre. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: that tells me it's not about giving back, it's about...
2: I mean, they've got to make a profit, yeah. you know, like uh, it, the profit... If they're not making a profit, then they can't give back. You know, they will fold. So you can't blame them for making sure that they make a profit. But it still needs to be in the context of doing the right thing by their mm-hmm. community. And I think what they put out in the public around, you know, the image that they try to put out there is, you know, it's a little bit of bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but you know, you can't blame them for making a profit. It's That is part of what they have to do to survive. Um, but the focus that they've got on, you know, um, I think they probably focus a little bit too much on profitability and a little bit too much on how popular they are. You know, yep. It's like all this spend on like um, advertising their, their corporate brand and stuff. is just all, it's just all waste.
0: I was reading about over the shore, they had a trust out there, okay mm. And um, they relinquished their monopoly a while ago, a while back ago. But they still exist and they still give it back to the community. So why can't? I'll trust the same.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be a little bit careful around the Birkenhead example. It's quite different. It's a real different size. You know, it's a real small place. And, I, um, and they and they give back a little bit to their community, but not heaps. You know, the West Auckland Trust are quite a different beast. You know, as we said, Andrew was saying, it's like 110 million dollars plus in terms of their assets. So um, it's a good example of them not disappearing. You know, so they don't disappear. They're still there. We still have the elections every three years. We still put community people in charge of the assets that they hold and stuff. Um, but I would expect our West Auckland Trust side have a much higher expectation around what they should be able to achieve versus what mm. Birkenhead did. You know, I think the only other trust through New Zealand that's on a kind of similar scale to our West Auckland ones is Invercargill, um, but they're not going to lose their monopoly anytime soon. They they run a really tight ship down there. Mm. They're very popular. Um, you know, and you can see it in the figures. You know, they they've got a population base of about 50,000 people in Invercargill. Um, and they're still the same size as our West Auckland ones, which have got a population base of almost six times that. You know, so I think we're two hundred and eighty thousand people. They're fifty thousand people. Uh, the Invercargill Trust runs about fifteen bars. West Auckland runs ten. You know, it's mm-hmm. like uh, the Invercargill Trust employs seven hundred people. Our Trusts employ three hundred and fifty people. You know, it's just like they're just doing so much more, trying so much harder in their kind of their core business areas around around hospitality. Um, yeah, they are doing a pretty I think they're doing a pretty good job down there. It's uh, and uh, and would be a good example, you know, for, uh, something for the West Auckland Trust to aim for if they keep their yeah. keep the monopoly.
0: I think if they actually keep their monopoly and they still keep going how they are, I think what they got to do is just get more people in that uh experience in the hospitality industry to get in there and manage some of these bars cuz it, these bars are like rubbish you know like I, I was at the hang bar, yeah. hang bar, just um last monday night monday night i think we we, we had a, a visitor from um, australia come down stayed with us a couple of days and we went there for um for dinner before she went back to australia and the food there is nice I, I like the food there but the service mm. service is really really bad mm. yeah and it's not really you know it's not really a
1: and that's uh, again that cool place place to go. and that stems on to what we we're talking about earlier mm. on as well you know even it boil it down to its absolute basics i mean this has got to sound stupid but you know if your if your house is in a mess and you want to uh, get a, have a mate around you want to go out you know where do you meet where do you meet you know i don't want to go to the hangar bar because it's got a very bad reputation i've been in there before i don't like it um so even for a coffee if it's after four o'clock where all the most of the cafes have closed where do you meet your mate out west about because i haven't found the place yet and uh, that, that again that goes back to that social side of things yeah bring competition in you might might be another bar right next door
0: yeah, and they'll do things better and then Hangar will have to up their game there we go because that the nature that, of competition that night we were there man those guys they served us and then we asked for a drink and then they didn't Bring us a drink. They're just talking on the on the side of the back there.
1: Didn't the hangar Bar make
2: some uh, statistics?
1: Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. I think they
2: got they, they got, got they, some statistic that was not so good around the the crime and stuff. But um, but the, yeah, their bars are hit and miss. You know, like I've right. had some great experiences at places too. You know, I was at the TI2 Tavern on Thursday night, and um, yeah, you know, the staff there were awesome. You know, and, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's and it's not. I think competition delivers a much more consistent, yes. better. Experience because if you're not sharp, if you're not good, someone else will be. You know, yeah. but at the moment there is no one else, and that's that's, that's right. the nature of a monopoly. It's like they don't have to be sharp to to you know do okay. And I would judge, you know, like, they've got a monopoly, and and it's like I like some of their bars and some of their offers, and, and others I think are, are rubbish. But um, you know, like everybody's perspective on that is different. You know, there'll be a different person who thinks the exact opposite. The ones that I like, they hate, and the ones that you know, so it's like it's a very personal thing. So I think. Um, I kind of try and steer away from saying the their bars are, are rubbish or not because it's like, oh, that's my that's my opinion, but I'm only one person. But I will judge it on how profitable they are. Yep. you know and they're not. you know they're not doing well, even if they've you know they've got a monopoly, you know, they've got this massive competitive advantage because who they're competing against are restaurants, you know, yeah. or twenty minute drive away, you know, so that yeah. is massive competitive advantage, and yet they're still, what did they t- what did they the profit across their ten bars last year was about five hundred grand. That's it, wow. know, half a million bucks across 10 bars. And that includes the income that they get from the pokies, which is 1.2-ish million or something. You know? So if not for the pokies, they would have lost half a million dollars across mm. those 10 bars. So, so so, they're not doing great. And I think it's just, look, it's hard to know. But um, you know, there's so much focus in their business on like, um, their property investment and, and um, you know, that side of things. It's like they really should just be focused on doing a great job with their core things, you know, running great bars, running decent bottle stores, and giving back the money, you know.
0: Yeah. I was in Hawaii last year. And have you guys been there?
2: Oh,
1: yeah. I was on my honeymoon there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah great. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, maybe 25 <laughs> years ago, I think, I was <laughs> Yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah, not for a long time. But.
0: Their bar centers, there is, especially in Waikiki, is fantastic, the way they run it. Mm-hmm. They don't have, a, like, a binge drinking culture over there, like oh. um, our newspapers here say we do. But... um, it's very vibrant, eh? Yeah. They've got this big, massive mall. They've got this bar at the top of the mall. And they have bands playing there. I get it, eh? Like, you're going to take the missus shopping. You're not going to take them shopping. You're going to go to the bar have a, have a <laughs> yeah, yeah. while she's doing the shopping, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's perfect. That's perfect, you know? <laughs>
1: that's it. It's, it's called Daddy Daycare, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Yeah. That's right. But
0: but the thing I saw over there, there, there are bars pretty much everywhere at the at the most obscure places or oh, at the most um, funny places. Like, there's a bar in the, in the supermarket. Just in the inside the supermarket. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know? The bar in the um in the mall was, was pretty good. It was flash and people eating, having a few drinks, watching the game, sports. Very vibrant. Mm. I I said to myself, man, I can't see that happening in Northern. No nah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. any any of these. I don't think it'll
1: well, be like. Well, uh, I kind of think I've got a bit of a, a unique perspective on this because Ireland. When I was growing up, we went through some big changes with alcohol regulation in Ireland. Now, mm. and while it's always been uh, uh, freely available, the, the once upon a time it was like a eleven o'clock shut off, bang, and that was it. And uh, you know that resulted in people, <clears throat> not in a good way. When there's a deadline to your drinking, you do tend to, you know, possibly consume a bit more, maybe a little bit quicker than you would normally. So what they actually do is rather than constrain things, they say, well, let's liberalize it even more and see what happens. And they open the bars until three o'clock in the morning. And then lo and behold, people started filtering out and there wasn't the the, the kind of. The bottleneck problems where there were with uh, you know everyone being chucked out and there was problems with taxis at eleven o'clock and all this and they found people were coming out in drips and drabs and getting in taxis and going home and problems just decreased you know mm. so sometimes I think over regulation isn't the way to go maybe a bit of liberalisation is possibly sometimes to be looked at and let's give it a whirl and see what happens eh
2: Innovations kind of you know like you're saying about in Hawaii and how it's different you know it's like mm. a- who knows what what competition would bring in terms of innovation and different mm. things you know and i think the thing is like the way that the licensing rules are at the moment you know so it goes to a district licensing committee yeah and they've got to judge you know here's what someone's proposing to put in you know maybe it's a bar in a mall you know at the food court you know there's a food court there and they want to have like a little cool little bar with a you know that does i don't know you know maybe new no, you know it's like noodles and and beers you know korean style or something it's, i don't know that's pretty that might, that might work who knows um They've got, to, they've got to look at that licence proposition and say like, all right, is that going to increase crime or harm or anything in that location? Is there a problem there? And they've got to look at all the evidence and decide. And if they think it is going to cause more problems, they'll say no. But if they think, no, no, it's not actually going to cause any more problems, then they'll say yes. So that's a, you know we've already got a pretty, I don't know, what would you say, it's pretty tight. Yeah, it's pretty tight. It's pretty conservative. You know what I mean. So they're not gonna. It's not anarchy. It's not. Um, you know, like yeah, yeah. Oh, you get rid of the trust and anyone can get a liquor license or whatever. You've got informed people making decisions, and you know they won't get it. Yeah, you know, they're not perfect. You know, and they don't know. But the way they do it is they issue a license for one year, and then they look. You know, so the first license lasts for one year. So they'll go like they'll kind of err on the side of, yeah, we think it'll be okay. Let's. They'll have their license for a year. And then you come back in a year and you've had a chance to see how it's gone for that year and then, you can, so then they'll say, all right, it's okay. It hasn't caused more problems. You guys are running a, a, a decent bar and you're meeting your obligations and it's not causing problems. You can have your license for three more years and then every three years they have to renew it. It's not a bad system. Mm. Yeah, so but that's, and that's like, it's, it's a system that allows innovation and allows people to come and try things as long as it's not going to cause problems. Whereas at the moment we've got, you know, the innovation isn't going to happen in West Auckland. Oh. What we're going to get is places, innovative people, you know, like the beer spot, if you tried the beer spot out in
0: Kimi? Um, Kimi, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's, no, a, haven't. it's a
2: really cool setup. So they've got like, I don't know, what is it, 80 beers on tap or something? Yeah. Um, and it's like it's an off-license so you can go and fill up your flag and take it home or whatever. And they've got food trucks parked outside so they don't have a kitchen, you know, so they don't have to pay to set up a kitchen and they don't pay kitchen staff. They've just got a different food truck each week. So you can go and get a meal, but it's an on-license too, you know. It's a, it's a place where you can sit and have whatever beer you want of the 80 beers and sit and have a meal, you know, from the food truck and stuff. It's kind of a, it's a really cool setup, you know. It's a really good idea. It's innovative and it sort of works, you know. Mm. The one in, on the North Shore has done really well. I think the Kumu one's building a following, the opening one in Morningside. You know, it's won awards and things. So... Yeah, you know, it's that sort of innovation. It's it's cool. It, it, that sort of thing would work in West Auckland because it's not you know it's not massively expensive or you know it could really work. And you know you know the trusts might copy it. You know, there's nothing stopping them copying yep. that thing, and that's not really fair. You know, like why can't the guys from the bear Spot set up a place in West Auckland? Yeah. But you know they've just got to leave this big gap and let the trusts do it. No, that's rubbish. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can see there's a lot lot of parking spots around here that can have food trucks and little things like that going on. They've got the night markets down there now, at the Kmart, below the Kmart. Yeah, yeah, the Henderson night
2: markets. Yeah, Yeah, they're all popular, eh? They're doing really well. Yeah, 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 they're pretty good. But I'd love to see some innovation in West Auckland HOSPO, you know, like just some... Because, you know, West Auckland, I think, is... um, You know, you take this monopoly off, it's not just going to explode into this hospitality no. scene but it's but it'll take time you know it'll take time and people will try things you know and like you know it's places like uh, there's got to be an opportunity in Glen Eden you know there's nowhere to go out for a drink there. I think there's a you know there's a a, a club there or something where you can go in or whatever but and there's an RSA but you know surely there's an opportunity there for a nice one well, not necessarily nice, but you know like a good little cool bar where people can go and have a drink you know
1: I mean Cameron, you mentioned earlier on about the the growth and expansion of the place and that's happening all over west I think West is probably experiencing one of the areas that's experiencing you know a, a lot of growth even out Swanson you get all those hundreds of houses out mm. the back you know, at the back of the the train station I think Swanson's perfect for just a little a little kind of um, boutique bar yeah kind of a little thing, boutique bar know? be kind of cool i think down there it just it just add a little bit of vibrancy down there some somewhere all those people from all those houses can go and just socialize and, and get together you know yeah. the, absolutely
0: yeah, there's nothing thing. the population is growing now with yeah fast yeah huge you got know, yeah. yeah. you got go for new pie as well like uh, yeah. that's not part of the yeah yeah it is, is. In? Oh, okay. 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 yeah
1: yeah just need to sort out the roads but that's another conversation for another day <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but yeah but
2: yeah and the one thing about the trusts and hospos, you know, they are, they're they playing with community money, yeah? So mm. they are really risk averse. And these are, you know, these are people that sit on council and stuff. They tend not to be very entrepreneurial either, mm. you know? So, yeah. you know, like where where I am in Teatitu, they opened Mr. Ellingsworth recently, which is kind of a, you know, it's sort of more upmarket eatery bar type thing. It's, um they could have done that 10 years, 10 years ago they could have someone could have opened something like that and it would have been, you know, marginal, mm. you know, the market may or may not have been there, but they waited and waited and waited until it was so overdue and there was just like so much demand for something like that. It's doing pretty well, you know, it's usually pretty busy most nights and that mm. because the market was just crying out for it. Yeah. You know, if not for the monopoly, then you know that probably would have happened years ago, and then maybe we'd have to, you know, another couple have jumped in by now, and you know, maybe that one would have, you know, may not be there anymore, and it'd be taken over by someone new. It would be, you know, dynamic and you know, evolving. Whereas it's kind of like it was just there was nowhere to go for so long. I um I, sh- I
0: struggle to go somewhere out west um for for sports to, to watch the rugby. Like, there's not really any good place to watch. Didn't you know where I go. I go to the Foxes and um at the Vado.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The yeah. Fox Sports Bar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's not just the quality either. It's also there there needs to be more, as we're saying. I mean, I can't remember those statistics, Nick. I don't know if you remember, but how um for example, North Shore has how many bars per hundred thousand per capita? But, yeah,
2: the other suburban areas of Auckland tend to have sort of twenty to twenty-five taverns per hundred thousand people i think it works out too and then uh, in the trust district we've got four so it's about one sixth as many as uh, as the rest of auckland and you feel it you know yeah. there's like where do you go for a drink you know yeah. mm-hmm. you can go out and sit in a restaurant and you know and some of them have kind of got little bar areas set up in that but it's not the same as going to a, to a bar no. not in my experience anyway. No, absolutely
0: and also i think um, when the trust was campaigning to get rid of the alcohol at uh, the supermarkets that time 2003 yeah um yeah, they were doing all the scare going around. And, you know, it's, it's not even about that. You know, it's about if you want to open a bar, it's, it's your responsibility to make sure, you know, things are safe for people or, yeah. or even the style of bar you're going to put out. Um, I was reading an article um, about bars in Ponzami. This was a while ago. And I remember reading, they were talking about how they they wanted, they didn't want to get um, certain type of people there, like the younger kids who were makers, blah, blah, blah. So what they did was they... they all the bars along Pons, we did not sell those ready to drinks. Mm. There's um RTD, just just straight um bottle and, and old soda. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah, old school styles. And, and just beer. Yeah. Straight beer. And it worked. It got rid of, you know, the young troublemakers sort of thing. Yeah. Oh,
2: interesting.
0: Absolutely. So there's things you can do. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be like all about oh there's a bar there, there's gonna be trouble. All the no. time, no, you know? of course not, and and, and, I, and I think that's what the trust played on that time. They played on people's minds, and
1: absolutely, it's a, it's a, it's the low hanging fruit that as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's you know, I think that's the old classic of just sort of putting fear into people, and then it's a, it's a sure vote, hey. Um, yeah.
2: yeah, I think it's a pretty effective way to maintain the status quo yeah. is to just kind of lay those sort of fears around what change exactly. might bring. You know what I mean? And I think, I mean, you see it a lot now in the in the discourse in the media around. Cannabis and stuff too. Yeah, Yeah. there's like lots of kind of like just sort of planting the mm. seed of doubt about what might happen and how things might turn really bad and you never know if and oh but what if and it's like oh mm. yeah you know
1: i mean if you put if, if you did put alcohol in a supermarket it doesn't mean you need to stop at the supermarket and the bottle store on the way home do you know what i mean it's yeah. not gonna i'm not gonna double my alcohol <laughs> consumption because it's available in two places on the way home yeah. it just doesn't stack up it doesn't make sense
2: yeah it's i, I mean that comes up quite a lot eh? and like people you know saying like oh and what about all the kid you know all these kids will end up with two minute noodles cuz when mum does the shopping she'll uh, she won't buy the food she'll just get stuck in the wine <laughs> section and it's like oh my god
0: yeah not cuz of that that's it's probably because of the gambling probably that's going to happen cuz yeah. of the, the cuz dads out there spending all the money on the on the poker machines and yeah. you you're pulling there
2: you know <laughs> it's like a it's like sort of false kind of protecting the these mm. people you know and it's like it's just i don't know it, 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 it frustrating. I mean you look back at the stats, right? So New Zealand went through a massive change when the nineteen eighty nine liquor legislation came through, right? So remember back before then there was no beer and wine in the supermarkets, um, you know, bottle stores, you know, there was a liquor commission, I think it was called, that decided how many taverns and how many bottle stores there would be in an area, you know, and they kind of go, All right, this is the there's a demand for ten taverns in this place and eight bottle stores and they kind of made that decision. It was more a political decision than anything else. And um, they got rid of all of that and they just said, all right, um, you know, we're going to have liquor licenses are done by um, a committee, wine can be sold in supermarkets and the number of bottle stores and stuff, ex- you know, that was when the explosion happened, you know, in the early 90s we went from having a handful of bottle stores and no beer and wine in the supermarkets to just heaps, you know, like what we've got. And you look at the consumption stats, across New Zealand. You don't there's not a jump. It didn't increase the consumption at a population level. It did, and then again in the 90s when they put beer in the supermarket. You didn't see an increase in the amount of beer that was sold. Um, you know, I think there's there's other things going on, you know, there's, yeah. there's societal changes. You can see sort of if you look at the the stats at that time it's just trending down and it's trended down and it's kind of flat now, I think over the last I don't know how many years, but it's pretty flat, you know, how much New Zealanders drink on average. The factors at play here are much broader than, you know, whether you have to drive an extra minute to go and grab it from a bottle store or not. You know what I mean? It's like it's a small inconvenience and it's a pain in the bum. It's not enough to stop someone with it, to make the decision like, am I going to have half a dozen beers tonight whether I buy it at the supermarket mm. or a bottle store? That's not changing that decision. You yeah. know what I mean? And especially the yeah. people that have problems with drinking. You know, if, if you're an alcoholic or if you're going to go out and get absolutely smashed tonight... Mm you really think it's make any difference whether it's at the supermarket or the bottle store? Yeah. That is not a that is not a purchase decision made walking down the aisle going like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to grab a box and get smashed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it doesn't just doesn't make work sense. like that, I don't think.
1: I think the, the, the other funny um, point was there was a question raised at the AGM and the trusts obviously being a community group, you expect them to do good things by the community. Now when uh, when we bear that in mind you'd expect that they support some sort of alcohol addiction um, services and you think they'd be high on their agenda to promote that well they were mm. asked by the guys at an AGM so how much does the trust donate to such services and the answer was we don't really uh, yeah we don't so seems quite odd <laughs> mm. yeah I
2: mean, that's sort of something we kind of expected them to support but but yeah they just don't so I mean they run you know, the contribution that they make is that they run responsible venues and they—they're they, not a cowboy operator. But outside of that, basically, it's um, yeah, Sky they, they Sky City, that.
1: for example, would donate considerably to, to gambling addiction. Yes, you know, yes, it's, it's their business; that. it's their core business. So it's 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 ethics in my mind that if you're going yes. to be dealing in, in these potentially which can be our class of vices, I think you've got a corporate responsibility to to, to front up and, and support the addiction services. It it just it's a no brainer to me.
0: Uh, it's probably because the trust knows that if they give money to that they probably won't get any more customers <laughs> coming to this <laughs> i don't
1: know what a tangled ah. web we weave <laughs> those aren't the customers you want yeah all good i mean I, I just to to just chime in here as well we're um we're not politicians just i think we just need to make that clear as well you know we, we are just uh members of the public that just to see a problem with this and my personal reason for getting involved in the in it is as I said earlier on. But it's it's just that I I just felt passionate about change here. So and I think with the likes of us, if we do get successfully on the board, I think our passion will shine through on that. And um, hopefully we we will. And we, we need numbers on that board. So we need mm. we need everyone in in every ward to help vote us in and uh and hopefully that's what will happen and give us the opportunities to 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 affect change on the trust, so
0: yeah, hope hope, hope you guys uh, get in and make a difference. Thanks, me. I think much. there needs to be some change around here. And like, it's, it's been the same thing so long, yeah, so long, yeah, know? yeah. Um, and and you see, you see the rest of Auckland changing, and West Auckland is still the same. That, that's what I see. Yeah. Have you guys been to that new um, entertainment precinct down in Morningside
2: Yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's really cool. Eh? It's I this like in the middle,
0: of nowhere, eh? like
2: yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a little bit kind of like you go past the train tracks and it's like, oh, here we are yeah and um but no it's really cool and the thing is it brings jobs man so it's exactly. like you know it, and it's because there's offices there too you know i think spin-off uh that the media company have got their office there as part of that development you know and there's the new one going in across the road too like i don't know what's going in there but you know it's just kind of it brings people you know so mm. like there's a cafe and the tavern and and then there's the little cidery as well and you know it's like there are people hanging around there all day yes. through the evening. It's vibrant, you know? Like, it's like There's eyes on the street. There's not going to be a heap of trouble because there's, you know, like lots of people around. And it's good. It's what, really good. What was
0: pretty cool about that place was that the location of it was like, that could be in any place in West Auckland, you know? Yeah. yeah. Around the corner somewhere, you know? Anywhere.
2: Yeah. It could yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It I mean, could be. And that's it. I mean, I think I see lots of opportunities in West Auckland where it's like, you know, it'd be great to have more jobs, you know, like more places and, um, Hospitality is a big employer, you know? Mm. They they're staff heavy places. Most of what you're paying for when you're paying your twelve dollars or ten dollars for a pint at a pub is, you know, for the yeah. staff. Um, and West Auckland's missing out on that, you know? We've got so few pubs and everybody either drinks in their garage or drinks at home or drinks yeah. At, yeah. drinks in town, you know? It's like mm. I mean oh, I,
0: I just had the thought about the you know the, the Auckland City Council's um unitary plan? How every train station, every spot of every point of public transport, train station or bus station is going to be like they're going to, they're going to lift the um yeah
2: there'll be heaps of houses heaps of dwellings yeah, housing yeah, the housing
0: yeah. like um intensification the, yeah yeah the um
2: townhouses and apartments the heights
0: of boundary like stuff there eh? so yeah. So you see that you see in Glen Eden they're putting their new apartment right next to the train station right there yeah you know you got Avondale's trying to get stuff in there
2: yeah Avondale's gonna be really cool i mean i don't know how long it's gonna take but you know it's sort of it's so close to once the central the CRL is done you know what does that bring us 10 or 15 minutes close to the city it's going to be it's going to be really proximate to the city it's going to be people who are working or studying in the city and looking for places to live they'll look and they'll go all right yeah Avondale's really close yeah Um, at the moment it's not too expensive to rent there you know it's not too bad well compared to other places too you know it's good housing stock it's gonna be really cool but at the moment it ain't (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, you know, it's got its own certain character and the people are great and stuff, but it ain't Flash.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but, you know, that'll change. And I think, you know, that's one of the places where, you know, you could have like something. It, maybe it would be a Kingsland in the future if it doesn't have the Monopoly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, it's starting already despite the Monopoly. That place, Brown Street's pretty cool. Um, it runs on a restaurant license, so it's a bit constrained. Um, you know, it would be great to have other places opening up and competing with that, you know? so
0: Yeah, because when you talk about drink and driving, well by the way to catch a train and stop at the spot yeah, and, and there's a nice bar there you can enjoy a beer and catch a train back yeah, yeah, and you know
2: like there are people, you know, so there's not heaps to go to in um, um, you know certain other suburbs down that line. So like Mount Albert, there's not heaps to places to drink there or, or too much of a scene just yet. And it doesn't happen everywhere, you know, but it's but those people that could jump on the train and go to Kingsland, and that's probably what they do at the moment, um if Avondale was sweet, then maybe some of them would come out this way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, or New Lynn even, you know. Like New Lynn could – New Lynn that's really could use some potential, eh? Yeah, it does. It's You know, it's yeah. a big city. I think yeah. it's one of the busiest train yeah. stations on the network. Yes.
1: Um, that's that's in line for cool. It really yeah. is. I, I think it could be cool. And the We'd
2: Trust go have got two offers there, you know, two places. One's kind of like – feels like a Cobb & Co. Um, out the back there, what's it called again?
0: The Lone Star.
2: No, no, not the Lone Star. The Black um, – Black, black Salt. No, Black Salt's kind of more a bit upmarket, but it's just that place just isn't very popular, eh? It's a bit dead at Black Salt. Oh, oh. Um, oh, I can't think of the name, but I can picture it. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't uh, been out there for a little while. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 their offers aren't great. And, you know, there's the brickworks down there where they've yep. got the and, and the pizza place and all that sort of stuff. And that's that's more vibrant. But again, they're all they're all running on restaurant licenses, so they're pretty constrained. They've got a little bar area and stuff, but you know, it'd be great to have like a proper little bar there too, you know. Mm. Um I did go heaps to of potential in Newland.
0: There's a place at Henderson Wall Studios, have you you guys had dinner there?
2: Yeah, yeah, I had a meal there once, I think. The grounds, yeah? Yeah,
0: the grounds. I thought the food was good. Yeah, yeah. And the bars there looks nice too. Yeah, the the kids love the playground too, so it's
2: a pretty cool little thing. Yeah, Yeah, pretty cool little setup out there. You know, little things are happening, you know, and I think, you know, even if you keep the Monopoly, those things will keep happening, but I just it won't happen in the same way, and it won't happen as fast um, as if we had competition.
0: Yeah. One thing I noticed about... um, newland more how uh, they started to develop newland more but the movies there and stuff then they built uh northwest sort of sucked everything out of henderson <laughs> you know? yeah. you know? yeah. and uh yeah. henderson's whiskey left left west city now i think west is owned by australian australian company
2: now
0: yeah what is gone from there and i always thought if Wickles leaves your more mall, your more's in trouble <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah yeah no henderson really needs some love hey eh? yeah, yeah. It's just yeah like, exactly really exactly struggling and um it's got a bit of a reputation now too. You know, I heard people call it horrendous. Um, <laughs> horrendous? Oh,
0: listen, you're <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs>
2: yeah, and, uh, you know, and it's fair criticism at the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Something's got to change there. And, like, yeah, hopefully the council money, like, going in to revitalize it a bit will help just kind of be the spark that kind of changes people's mindset around it. But, um, you know, you've got to have things that are going to draw people into mm-hmm. it. And You know, hospitality can be a big part of that. Where do you go to spend time, you know? It's, you know, though. If the shopping offer is good, you'll you'll do okay, but it won't do you much good in the evenings, you know? So if you want an evening economy, then you really gotta have a great hospital offer and um, Yeah, I think and, and I don't think the trusts are gonna give to deliver that, but
0: I think what you're saying is right because I think what we what you're seeing, especially with shopping malls, especially with retail, I think um, internet is taking the other way, slowly taking the other way. People yeah. are buying online now, not many people are going out to malls anymore. So what malls have to do to get people in is get some entertainment. In the entertainment factor in there. Get the movies in there. Get a nice spot, restaurants, stuff like that.
2: Yeah, yeah it's a real change, eh? I mean, I yeah. think um, saw it ages ago. Like we lived in um, uh, Sydney for a while and London for a while, and, and the, we're sort of lagging, I guess, a bit here. But the, the offers in the malls changed. You know, it was all about mm-hmm. fresh food. You know, so the frozen sections changed, and the, and like it was all about fresh stuff because it was, you know, that's what people were buying regularly. That they'd actually go to the shop for, or they could shop online for the tins of tomatoes and stuff. But that stuff. And then the shops, you know, people were buying their clothes and stuff much more online and stuff. But what you can't do is you can't go out for a meal or you can't go out for a drink. So the food courts were growing and, you know, they were turning into like more restauranty kind of more upmarket and places to eat and drink and kind of those sort of sort of precincty kind of fields um, and heaps more fresh food and market style and all that sort of stuff, stuff that you can't buy online. And, uh, you know, that's starting to happen a bit more here. But, um, mm. you know, that's what you... If you want to bring people in offer them things that they can't do at home, you know what I mean? That they just yeah. can't yeah. go and click on via their phone and stuff. And that's, you know, bars and restaurants are perfect, you know. Never going to be able to, you know. I mean, I guess Uber Eats and stuff happens, but um, but that's, you know. No, not my way. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm outside the boundary. Of Uber Eats, you <laughs> don't get Uber Eats? Though, I, can, I can't get Uber Eats, it sucks. <laughs> it's uh-huh. all bad. <laughs> do you get Uber? No, um, Uber? Uh, no, not even Uber, no. Uh, no, no, just outside the boundary. Yeah. Can't wait for that to make its way towards us. <laughs>
0: I also heard um, um, Costco is coming down here.
1: Yeah, and yeah, That's, that one's going to be interesting. Isn't and it? I heard
0: they're going to be located in out west in, Westgate um, Westgate mm-hmm. that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you guys have been to Costco, but have you guys been to Costco overseas? I
1: uh, haven't seen it. I've seen all about it though, and I've heard lots of experiences. Yeah, they were in Sydney when we were living in
2: Sydney, but we never actually made it into the yeah. store because you got to you got to join you got to you, yeah, yeah, you got to join even if you want to just go in and have a look so um, yeah
0: yeah that's right it's like uh, gilmores but with everything <laughs> that's right yeah. and it's in bulk but um they've got a they've got a wonderful liquor section Yeah, like everything's yeah. cheaper than duty free of the
1: unfortunately it's going to be within the boundaries exactly I think, that's what yeah, I'm <laughs> trying <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so
0: hopefully um the monopoly goes before that happens yeah
2: I mean, <laughs> i'm sure they'd love to have it gone by then but um yeah but, or
0: someone tell costco hey you realize you guys are going to be in a... Yeah. No alcohol well.
2: Oh, They know. Yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're very clear that they know. They know already. And they'd, I think I'm sure they'd like it to change, but it's you know, it's not something they'll get involved with. They'll, um, they'll yeah. stay out of it. It's a community decision. Yeah. You know no. what I mean? Yeah. Actually, the supermarkets, because um, we, we've been in touch with the supermarkets here too, and um, you know, the guys at Pack and Save and uh, New World, the owners of the stores here, have been willing to let us stand outside and collect signatures.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: but they're very, um, they're very clear, and and count down even more so. They won't even let us do that. But um, all of those corporates and stuff, and we're on the same page really. They've they've got to stay out of it. They've got to stay out of the debate. You know, mm-hmm. as much as there's, as soon as they get involved, then it turns into a profit versus community discussion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and that's not how you make a good decision. You know, they'll just get they'll get smashed in the media, and people will just say, oh, they're just in it for the money, and
1: you know, so. Which which actually makes it very difficult for us to be honest with you because I mean we've got zero budget doing this. It's not zero. It's minimal, we just got a, a minimal contributions from some supporters. Uh, and frankly, to run these sort of campaigns, you need big money, which we just haven't got. And mm-hmm. even to uh, uh, raise our awareness, to try and talk to people, we went down to Hobsonville Point the uh, the last time. We were moved on from there because there was no campaign, and we can't go outside the supermarkets because they don't want any part of it. We don't. We can't go outside any corporates because they don't want any part of it. They don't want to be seem to be taking sides and that's ve- it's so difficult and it's actually quite frustrating for us to just try and get our voice out just to be heard we just want all oh, we want us to be heard and for people to make their own informed decision but we just can't get our voice out there and it's 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 like one hand is tied behind our back with this so we're really up against it
0: even down there hope's in Hobson Hobsonville well I didn't
1: yeah yeah the chap there said that uh, that we couldn't sort of
2: stand there and, and hand out our flyers or collect signatures but um yeah it is frustrating I mean the best place is to stand to kind of collect signatures for the petition and stuff. It's outside the supermarkets. And most of our supermarkets in West Auckland are countdown. Mm-hmm. Um and the other place, the obvious place would be malls. Um and, and they're all you know, they won't let us do it at the malls. So um it, it makes it hard. But um I mean that's just I mean it's their decision, it's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. It's their, it's their, you know, it's their supermarkets. It's their malls. Um yeah. that that they can choose. But um yeah, it is hard. And, you know, like it does feel very much Unfortunately, I don't think it should be this way, but it feels very much like it's, you know, our voice versus the voice of the trusts, you know, with their multi-million dollar um, marketing budgets and, uh, you know, the platforms they've got, what is it, 27 bottle stores where they can put up signs and, you know, and distribute leaflets through all their stores and at their bars and, you know, all their messaging that they can get out and they deliver magazines to your letterbox every month, which mm-hmm. kind of carry their messages. And, you know, they do lots of stuff and they're kind of, they're pushing their message using community resources and you know we're part of this community too mm. you know like yeah. you know you should be even handed on this and giving a an unbiased assessment of you know whatever and um but it very much feels like it's us versus the trusts which which is frustrating, and you know, it shouldn't be that way.
1: And it's absolutely not because it's not us versus the trust; it's us versus the trust board, the current trust board. So we, uh, our issue is with the management, you know, and and all those issues. So it's mm. it's not us against the trust, and the trust shouldn't be taking sides. The trust shouldn't be coming out on advertising at this sensitive time where they're passing on these messages. It's 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 unfair. It's you know, it's unsportsmanlike for one thing. Mm. It's just it's just not right. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's right. Our beef isn't with the organisation. Our mm. beef is with the management. Hundred percent. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: If the trust lose the monopoly, um, will they be still giving back, uh, the amount they're giving back right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a matter of opinion, really, and it depends on their policy. But yeah, absolutely. They, they, should they, be, they should be giving back heaps more. You know, like, as we said before, they're worth $110 million plus, right? You just put that in the bank, at you know, uh, in, a, in an investment fund, um, and you'll be giving out five plus million bucks a year, you know? Um, and... Last year they gave back, as you know, two and a half million, and they're promising to start giving back three and a half this year and five million next year, and you know these are all promises they're making. But you know, over the last six years, the average has been, I think, about a million dollars. You know, so I don't know. In my mind, anyway, it's not about the giving back. You know, it's very clear. Like whether it's got a monopoly or a competition, the trust should be generating good profits out of that capital that they've got, and they should be distributing it. The What the debate should be around is around control of liquor licensing Mm because that's what it's really about. You know what I mean? It's like, do we want to hand over the decision-making about pubs and bottle stores to a committee, basically, of elected officials? Is that a good thing or not? I think it's not. Um, Obviously, some people think it is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what's the right way to go?
0: Will will they open the books if they lose the monopoly?
2: um there's no reason to keep them secret if they don't have you know like at the moment i think all of the secrecy and stuff is you know managing the headlines and managing their image because the monopoly is at risk you take that monopoly away they haven't got that same thing at risk so there's no reason to keep any secrets anymore mm-hmm. i think a lot of the a lot of the bullshit just disappears if you get rid of the, get rid of the monopoly you know mm-hmm. because the motivation for the bullshit disappears yeah but there's no guarantee you know they are politicians at the end of the day <laughs> you know so maybe there's some you know like they still want to get re-elected and so there'll still be some level of bullshit, you know but i don't know we'll see hopefully we'll, we'll see. see
0: yeah because you, you've shown a light on me like a light on where they get their money and now i, I don't have a clue where they get their money huh? yeah like the alcohol sales in the bars and are nothing mm-hmm. and uh gambling is you know, little as well. Yeah, so I mean, I where's just, all this money coming from? Now I'm lost. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I would say that their bars, kind of, their, their bars don't make any money. They make no contribution to their overall profit. Basically, their mm-hmm. bars are will do well to break even, and they consume a lot of like they've got a lot of land invested. You know, um, underneath the Tieta Two Tavern and the hotel at the, the Quality Hotel and the Good Home and stuff like that. those properties are really valuable. Um, and their bottle stores, their bottle stores make money, but their overheads are also high. So they kind of cancel each other out, you know what I mean? So like they've got big, was it thirty-five odd people that work at a head office, um, and the CEO's paid pretty heavily, and uh, they've got a board that sits above their joint venture, which is paid, I think, um, over four hundred thousand dollars a year. So that so they absorb a lot of costs, you know, and and that kind of wipes out that um, their bottle store profit, and then they've got their investments, which don't sort of they don't attract a lot of overheads, you know what I mean. You don't have to have lots of staff to to collect the rent, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and that's where their profit comes from, in my view. You know, <laughs> so like um, and capital and, <laughs> and there's a bit of property money too, you know what I mean. So like last year they sold a property, so I think their overall profit that they declared after tax and giving back and stuff was seven point two million. Of that, four point something million was a capital gain on a property that they sold. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and and then you look at what was their investment income. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but there was you know a decent amount in interest and rent and all those sorts of things. So if you start stripping all of those like those those revenues that attract no overheads out of that profit, then you kind of get back to a number which is um, you know. What's actually coming from their yeah. from their um, bottle stores and and
1: bars, Nick? What did you say again? The uh, the the restaurants uh, and the the bars and the uh, the hotels. What's the capital value worth? What's the what's the value of those assets?
2: It's yeah, it's hard to put an exact figure on it. But if you just look at what the land they're sitting on and stuff, because they don't in their books they don't split out the different parts of their business. Okay. Um, but you can look at if you can look at the land values and stuff. And um, it's I think last year with when they still had Richardson's on the book books. Um, 30 or 40 million, I think maybe it was 40 million plus Okay. Um, that they've gotten sort of deployed to their hospitality business. And a lot of that's, you know, it's like the two Tavern, you know, like it's two acres of like really valuable land right in the middle of two mm. and they're running this little pub in one corner of the building. Um, you know, so they've got a lot of money tied up in that place, which is generating no profit. So, you know, it's, it's just, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. You know, um, I think that's really wasteful. Um, that's kind of the way that I look at it, that. They're just, you know, they're basic. But other, you know, you could see it as land banking too. You know, like they're mm-hmm. holding on to that land because it's increasing in value. And some people think that's okay, and some some people don't. I, personally, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know,
0: that's another reason to bring in uh, bring in competition. Because if you earn like, if you earn investment property around like they have, say that tavern seven, they've got there. You bring in competition, is, you're gonna increase the value of the the area because it'll be more vibrant you know more yeah, things I mean, happening yeah you know? Fair point. more yeah. more businesses coming yeah. in yeah well, wherever their land is surrounding, surrounding will, will, yeah. You know,
2: yeah yeah i mean it might happen somewhere like Tietu. you never know and, and no one knows for sure <laughs> you just know it's got a crystal ball but somewhere in west Auckland, there'll be a few places that if you allow competition will turn into little hot spots eventually you know what i mean yeah. maybe evandale is one of them maybe theater two peninsula is one of them i don't know you know it could turn into a little Hospitality destination, so that you're not just capturing the people that live on Tiertu Peninsula anymore. you might get people traveling there to go out for an evening for a meal and stuff and get a little vibrant little scene happening and if that happened, then yeah, that land would be worth a mozza you know but mm. um mm. but no one knows you know and um but it will happen some places uh, It'd be great to just give it the opportunity to happen, you know, because if it did happen, you know, in some places, as I said before, you know, it's, it's jobs. It's, you know, it's economic activity. It's people hanging around, spending money, going to the kebab shop afterwards. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's good for your local set of shops. It's good for your local community. It's...
0: Is the um, Trust Stadium part of their portfolio of no, investment properties?
2: No, no, they don't own the Trust Stadium. They um, they contributed to the cost of of building it um, when it was done in the I think that's early 2000s here um, council put in the most money um, and then the trust at that time had um, their gambling and um, alcohol businesses were all kind of combined um, and so I think the trust put in five million bucks out of the 28 ish million now I'm pulling these numbers off the top of my head so um, forgive me if they're not perfect but yeah I think they put in five out of the 28 million dollars to build it um, but most of that was pokey's money you know what I mean? So I think that at the time it was reported that about 90% or 80 something percent of their their giving back came from pokies. So I, I think we kind of estimate that actually from what we call the trusts today, their contribution to that 28 million dollars of build or so was about 750 grand.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's
2: a small amount, and they make a big deal of it. Mm-hmm. And then these days they're just paying for a sponsorship, same as Westpac Stadium, same as Growers Stadium. You know, just all of those. You know, it's like, and they pay. We don't know exact amount, but about a hundred grand a year um, to have the naming rights for the stadium, which has got to be, got to be the best hundred thousand dollars spent at the moment for <laughs> yeah, advertising because yeah. everyone in West everyone Auckland thinks, thinks that the trust stadium belongs to the trust, absolutely. just about, you know, and that yeah. they built it, and it's like this great asset that's what, yeah. a result of the trusts, but and
1: you know. There's there's many examples like that. We won't go into details, but there's there's many examples like that that are just a little bit convoluted, and people assume that the trusts have given back, and they're they're quite happy to to run with that assumption, let that assumption roll, and mm-hmm. and encourage it. And it's not
2: that the trusts have done nothing for the trust stadium, right? Like the, the sponsorship relationship is you know is an important stuff, but it's it's not as as much as most people believe, they, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think because they got the big name on there, yeah, it's everywhere. Pe- people think that they own yeah. it
1: yeah <laughs> for sure yeah yeah, absolutely Oh, good no worries guys that's awesome we'll wrap so, it up yep well I, I, I just final point really I'd just say is uh, hopefully uh, as we said earlier on people will vote uh, get the when, the when the when those slips arrive through the post box don't leave them sitting on the doormat just uh, to make sure okay, so, uh, how do people vote
0: how do people how, how, how do people want to support you guys
2: yeah so I mean um, when you get your voting papers get them out. uh, And when you look for the licensing trust bit, look, see if there's a candidate in your ward that says Trusts Action Group. If there is, tick that box. And uh, make sure then you get that voting paper back in the envelope and put it in a post box. Or in the ballot box at the library, um, and it's got to be back with this with the election people by October twelve noon, noon October on October twelve. 12.
1: Yeah. And just to add to that, there are one or two wards where we actually don't have a representative from the trust action group. So what we'd say in that situation is there's some independence running in those wards. So if you look on the voting slips, you'll see at the bottom if they support a referendum on the monopoly. And any candidate who says at the bottom of the profile that they support a referendum on the monopoly, that's the one that we really want to hopefully okay. take the box. Okay. Okay. Cool. Awesome, Cameron. Thank you very much it's thanks been a pleasure for thanks so, for coming guys so much good on you yeah, appreciate it thank cool. you awesome. good
2: job Cheers. Bye.